Hi, I'm Andrew Sylvester. I'm one of the ministers here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church. It's my privilege to read God's word with you today. And I pray that as you are reading this word and, and listening, that you are hearing God speak to you. So let's pray that now. Let's bow our heads and let's pray to God. Dear Lord, speak to us in your word today, that we may know you. Open our ears and open our eyes to hear your voice and to see the truth laid before us. Help us to respond to your word correctly. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why have you come to church this Resurrection Sunday? You may know that this is the special day of Easter. This is the third day where we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead. Why are you celebrating? What does this mean to you? Are you celebrating because this means no more Easter hat parades for another year? Are you celebrating because you can justify your chocolate addiction today? Are you, are you celebrating because it's a four-day long weekend? Maybe this day means a lot more to you, though. Maybe the question of life after death is acutely on your heart at the moment. Maybe you have grief on your heart and you are looking for some sort of hope. Maybe you just want peace of mind and knowledge that there, there is hope. Maybe you have doubts about whether salvation is for you, that you could be forgiven, that there actually is life and hope for you, that, that you would be accepted. The resurrection may mean a lot to you. But the weird thing is that when we come to explain that to other people, sometimes the words just don't come out, do they? Our mouth gets all dry. We're worried and we're just anticipating people's eyes rolling as we talk about Jesus. We're scared of the question, why do you go to church? You fear questions. Surely you don't believe that this is the 21st century. Who are you to say that you know God, the creator of the universe, that you can speak to him and that he listens to you and answers your prayers? Who are you to say those things? As we look through this passage today, I hope you'll see this very clear message. The resurrection proves that you can know God. And the facts haven't changed. Jesus truly did rise from the dead. But people have always doubted. That doubt has always been there. It's not because we know anything new. We're going to see as we read this passage that God is reaching out to us with this message. He's reaching out to all people, including you, that you could know him. Today, as we're reading from the book of Acts in the Bible, it's a book which describes what happened after Jesus rose from the dead. As we read today, you're going to see that God is working everything to speak to you today. This passage follows this guy called Paul. Now, Paul used to be one of the most anti-Christian people in the world. He was the hero of the haters. He was infamous for killing the first Christian disciple. Yet this man's life changed 180 degrees when he saw the resurrected Jesus. He realized the resurrection was real. Now his life mission is to spread the news to everyone everywhere. And he's, he's spreading it, but a lot of people don't want to hear it. And he's forced to go to Athens. He didn't mean to go to Athens. He's forced to go there 
and he's, he's there just waiting for his friends. But this was all part of God's plan for the Athenians. And the people he spoke to while he was there, they didn't mean to listen to Paul. They just happened to be there. But God wanted them to hear about the resurrection. God wanted them to know him. And so Paul tells them. Let's see how God's plan unfolds as we start reading from God's word. If you could open your Bibles and keep it open at Acts 17, you'll get to hear and see God speaking to you through his word. Let's start from Acts 17, verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them, his friends in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. And so he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. The people in Athens who were listening to him are just like the people today. There was two main groups in Athens. There was the Epicureans and there were the Stoics. The Epicureans were just like our modern-day progressives. You know, they, they believed in living the good life, uh, avoiding painful things and, and helping other people avoid painful things, enjoying life to the full, avoiding painful experiences. The Stoics, on the other hand, thought the meaning of life was in living virtuously. Now, they're our conservatives. You know, they valued hard work. They thought you could attain peace, unlike these snowflake Epicureans. They knew that life was hard. But you can't avoid it. Isn't it funny we see those same battles playing out today with all the different tribes and generations? But there's one thing that everyone there agreed on. There was no such thing as resurrection. Resurrection did not mesh with their worldview. And when they heard Paul speaking about resurrection, they ridiculed him. Others responded that he was advocating foreign gods. Now that's a crime. In this day and age... He could be sentenced to death for this. And so these people, they bundle Paul up and they take him to the council of the Areopagus where they're going to judge Paul and what he's saying. We're going to see in this next section, though, that God wants the Athenians to know him. Resurrection pricks up their ears and they want to know more. Let's continue reading from God's word, verse 18. Verse 18. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. So they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what is this new teaching that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So do these people, do they really want to know about the resurrection? Or are they just looking for something new? It seems we're not the first generation that's uh, consumed with this endless scrolling. Get it? Scrolling? Okay, sorry. I'm sorry, guys. But God's working here. God wants these intellectuals to know him. And it was so perfect that Paul was the one who was sent there, because Paul was from Tarsus. Now, maybe you're not thinking about uh, Tarsus is that important. And it, it, it's not really like the Sydney University or the UNSW of the intellectual centres. It's more like the Macquarie University. <laughs> yeah. See, high education. 
but with practical application. Uh, it's good education. Paul was really well educated, and it's perfect that God put him here to speak to the Athenians because he knew the Athenians. He knew their history. He knew what they valued. He knew that they were religious people, that they loved worshipping gods, even a god that they didn't know. Paul knew that this altar to an unknown god wasn't a random altar. That's actually a big part of Athenian history. It dates back hundreds of years to the time of Daniel when there was a horrible plague in Athens. And the only thing that caused it to stop was the the people in Athens, they called out to this guy called Epimenides. He's quoted later in the passage. But they called out to Epimenides and he said, perhaps there's an unknown God in your midst. If you sacrifice to him, maybe the plague will stop. So the the Athenians built this altar, sacrificed to this unknown God, and it actually worked. The Athenians started worshipping this unknown God. They called him the unknown God, but they were very happily ignorant of him. But perhaps God had planted this all along. Perhaps God was working in this situation to speak to these people so that they could know him. Continue reading with me in verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. God wants the Athenians to know him. So Paul makes God known in this opportunity. He tries to persuade them that this unknown God can be known. He wants to have a relationship with them. God wants a relationship with them like a parent to a child, like a parent loves his child and wants him to know him. Paul appreciates that the the Athenians value worshipping gods, but he calls them out and says, you actually don't know what you're doing by worshipping idols. And it's a lot like when a, a young person gets in a relationship. Now, you've all been young people in a relationship before, maybe not the front people, but your parents have seen you, and uh, that we understand this. What happens is the young person thinks, how do I please them? Well, I saw this on TV. I read this in a book. I watched a movie. Uh, I've seen my other people doing these things, and so I'm going to do these things to try to please the people. And for everyone else watching, it's actually a very distressing situation, watching people parade around with bunches of flowers and, uh, and cards. It's a weird thing to watch sometimes. It's distressing for those who care about people to see that they're not exactly doing the right things. And in this passage, Paul cares about the Athenians. He's distressed about what they're doing. And he says they need to stop what they're doing. Pay attention to who this God is. Actually get to know him and know what actually pleases him. This unknown God the Athenians have been worshipping has ironically been working throughout all history so that he could be known. He could be known to them, to be closely part of their lives. Now, as you read this next passage, notice how Paul describes how God is in control of everything. Why is God in control of everything? Why is God doing everything? So that he can be known, that these people would know him and have a relationship with him, with God, their father. They, his offspring. Let's read this from verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth 
and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations so that they should inhabit the earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history, the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Here in Athens, the centre of knowledge, they did not know. They were ignorant. They had ignored their creator. God had been working all things so that the Athenians would know him. There's messages coming out from him, but the Athenians, they are... They're ghosting God. They're, they're leaving, him, leaving the message on red. They're leaving him in the scene zone. If you do this in any of your relationships, there's going to come a day of judgment. There's going to come a day of reckoning where you're going to have to answer to that person you've been ignoring. That day of judgment is coming for these people. Ironically, they are in the Averopagus. They're thinking they are judging Paul. But Paul flips the table and says, no. The judgment is coming for you. The judgment is for you. They need to stop and repent. They need to stop ignoring God. They need to actually seek him. He is their creator and he is the judge. In the past, God has left these ignorant Athenians unpunished. But because of the resurrection, this marks a turning point, a change The resurrection has proved that Jesus is God and he wants to be known and he wants to have a relationship with them. The resurrection of Jesus proves three three things. Those three things are... Where's I flick to it? The three things are, first, God has set this day of reckoning. The second, that God is going to judge justly. He is going to judge them justly. He's going to judge them with an appointed, qualified person. Who's the qualified person who has power over life and death to make such a judgment? That's Jesus. The one who has had power over life and death. He showed it by being raised to death. He's proven this. So Paul challenges his people he's talking to. Take this message seriously. God wants to know you. Let's read this from verse uh, 29. Verse 29. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed." He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Some of you might be wondering, so what is this proof of resurrection? How are they supposed to know? I think it's really important you you pay attention to this context. Because the Athenians must have heard these rumours already. They spent all their time discussing new ideas, new thoughts. And in Athens, we already know there was a Jewish community. There was a synagogue there. Paul frequented it frequently. He went there and spoke to them. And if there's a Jewish community, it's 
impossible to think that these Jews didn't do what they were supposed to do and return to Jerusalem for the Passover. It's impossible that there's no Athenian Jew in, in Jerusalem when Jesus died at Passover, when he was raised to, raised to life. There's definitely an Athenian Jew there. There was an Athenian Jew there when Peter was proclaiming the gospel to the first people at Pentecost. Jerusalem swelled to ten times its number. People came from all over the world to to Jerusalem at this time. And they would have gone back to such a cultural centre like Athens. There's these witnesses spreading throughout the whole world. If they wanted to know about it, there was people that they could speak to. There was people who were there. There was a message that all the believers had said, and Paul recites this message to the Corinthians. He says this in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this message has been proclaimed everywhere. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. That message goes on to say over 500 people had seen this. They're still living today. Some have fallen asleep, but go talk to them. But more than that, Paul is a witness. He is one of these people who has seen Jesus. These people need to say, wow, I know this now. I need to know. This is not just an idea. This is reality. This has happened. So how would the Athenians respond to this new knowledge, this new evidence? These intellectuals, these men of reason and thought, would they hear this evidence for God and realize, wow, we can know God? Well, they responded just like people today. Some said, yes, I want to know more about this subject. But others said, that's impossible. That can't happen. They want to be the judge themselves. Let's keep reading this from verse 32. When, some, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. God wants a relationship with everyone. He has made a way for that to happen through Jesus' death and his resurrection. We want to know more. I want to hear you again on this subject. That is the way to respond to this message. But these others, they tried judging God, laughing and sneering at him. That's a bold strategy. Let's see how it plays out for them. Can you see what this passage is saying, though? God has made himself known, known to the Athenians. They have received this message. The resurrection seals this message to be true. Some have accepted, but some think they know better. So what is this message saying to us today? What is this passage saying to us? Firstly, we're going to see that the evidence of resurrection here is compelling. The argument we heard from these Athenians is no different from the arguments we hear today. There can't be a resurrection. Sounds too good to be true. Sometimes when we hear this, it makes us worry and doubt. Maybe maybe there is no hope. Maybe there is no life after death. Maybe that's just it. But the resurrection is true, and the evidence is compelling. As we read the passage, did you see how the Athenians rejected the resurrection? And they're no less intelligent than us today. And people haven't changed, and the facts haven't changed. To say a resurrection can't happen, that's just an assertion. There's no evidence. 
But if the resurrection is so impossible, if it is, that means that if it happened, God has sent a message to us that he wants us to know him. This is proof that God wants us to know him, that he can be known. So let's think about this. Let's look over the facts, the facts of the event. And these are facts that are not disputed through historians. Everyone knows these things. You can look it up. You can look at more on this subject. The same message that spread throughout the world was that Jesus was sentenced to, be di- to die. Everyone knows this. By Pontius Pilate. That gives us a time in Jerusalem and a place. It was a festival of Passover. And that's why Easter changes every day, every year. Because we, we put this with the festival of Passover. This is the time that we celebrate this. It happened at the festival of Passover when the whole world came to see and to celebrate Passover. All the Jews came and then went back to where they came from. The other fact is that he was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. He was, that's, a, that's a rich person. It's a tomb that no one had been buried in, and that's a really prominent fact. In Jerusalem, everyone's buried in their family tomb, but this tomb no one had been laid in. And it's right at the entrance of Jerusalem. People knew this place. Everyone attests this was Joseph's tomb that he was buried in. And then the women were the first witnesses that Easter Sunday, that first Easter Sunday. They came and they saw the soldiers had been gone, they're gone away. The stone has been rolled away, it's not sealed anymore, and the tomb is empty. Women were the witnesses. Now In our day and age, we know women are trustworthy people. But this, in their day and age, that was very embarrassing. There's no way that they would write that unless it actually happened. Today, we know that that can be trusted, that this actually happened. And then what happened is hundreds of people all over the place for a number of weeks are seeing the risen Jesus. They met with him. They ate food with him. He's bodily raised. It's not a hallucination. They've all got the same testimony, and you could ask them in that day. And then there's suddenly there's these scared disciples, everyone who ran away when Jesus was arrested. All of a sudden, they're bold, and they're ready to die for what they've seen, what they're proclaiming. None of these things by themselves are fully compelling, but when you put them all together, there is one clear story that's happened here. And I'm not even going into all the other evidence about this. I haven't mentioned to you about... Where we got the four Gospels? How did these testimonies come to be? Why there's a church now when there wasn't before? Why do people worship? Why do these Jews worship on a Sunday instead of a Saturday anymore? Why did all these things change? Where, where does all these things come from? I haven't even gone into that evidence and I'd really love to. I get really excited about it. But Jeff tells me, don't say everything. <laughs> the reason I'm so excited about it, though, is because It happened. It happened and the Athenians should have listened and we need to listen to that today. We need to remember that today. When we remember that these things have happened, our doubts are squashed, we realise there's actually hope. We can actually know God. The evidence is compelling. Resurrection proves that God wants us to know him. God is speaking to us today. That brings us to our last point. We need to know God. We need to repent. Paul said the resurrection not only proved, that, that can be proved, he said it was proof. The resurrection was proof that we can know God. And it's a message that's been spreading to all people everywhere. 
We've seen how he did it to the Athenians. It just seems so accidental. But when we think about it, we realise, wait, God had been planning this for hundreds of years, planning things, putting things along the way so that they would hear, they would see, and they would know him. But now God has made this message known to us. You are reading, you're reading reports of people who met Jesus. You're reading that in your hands today. You have the evidence. That's a message that's for you today. God wants you to know him. It's a message that we cannot leave in the red zone. We can't leave this on, in, in that scene zone and not respond to it. We can't ghost God on these things. A time is coming because God wants a relationship with us. A time is coming when a judgment's going to happen. A day of reckoning where we're going to have to deal with how we've ignored him. So what's his message to us now in this time? Come. Come and meet your maker. Come. Through Jesus, we can actually connect with him. Hypothetically, you might say, what about these people who've never heard about Jesus? What's going to happen to them? But I think it's really important to know that that's a hypothetical situation. We don't know all the information. But we do know someone who does. God does. He knows everything and he is the judge. And we've just read he's going to judge justly. There's lots of things that I could answer about that thing, but I don't know all the information, but God does know all the information. He knows everything. But I do know some other information. I know that our situation today is not a hypothetical. We are not sitting here as some hypothetical in a situation. We are sitting here really. And I asked you at the start, why did you come here today? I know the answer to that, that it's not an accident. Just like Paul, he he came to Athens just because he was waiting for some people. Maybe you're just waiting for someone today. Maybe you just happened to be here. Maybe you don't know the reason why you came here. Maybe you felt compelled here for some reason and you don't actually know. As you sit here today, that is no cosmic accident. It's no cosmic accident that you're here today and you're listening and you've read God's word. God is speaking to you today, and it's a message that you can't leave just as read. You can't leave in the scene zone. You can't ghost God on this. God is speaking to you now in his word, and the message is this. Come to me. Come to me. Know me. Repent. Come, stop ignoring me. Just, I'm going to forgive you. I'll forgive you on account of Jesus. He's paid the price for you. Just come back. You can know me. I will be your father. You can be my child. I will take care of you. More than that, I will give you forgiveness for everything you've done. And I will give you life forever with me. And you can live with me now and forever. Resurrection is proof of this message. Perhaps you don't feel ready to commit to being a Christian. You don't feel ready to commit, but let me implore with you with the right message, the right response to that first message that Paul gave. Those people who spoke rightly, they said, we want to hear more about this. We want to hear more about this subject. We can't leave this unread. You just need to start paying attention. We need to know some more. That's a good start to seeking God. And there's so many people at this church who can help you. You could come to me and ask me. 
You could talk to Jeff or the other ministry team. You could talk to your Bible study leaders. You could talk to your friend who brought you here. You can talk to anyone and say, I've got some questions. I want to know more about this subject. And God will help you. God is reaching out to you through doing that. Come to church each week. Be a part of this community. You will find out more. And you will realize this is a hope and this is a family that you can join. An eternal family with life forever. How do we know? The resurrection is proof of this. In a moment, I'm going to give us a small time to pray. You've heard the message. You actually need to start doing some business with God. In this time, maybe you have been ignoring God. You've been paying attention to the things of the world so much, forgetting your creator. Resurrection, he reminds you. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to know him, to know him as your father, to walk with him, to have a relationship with him. You could start by asking for forgiveness for ignoring him as you speak to God. But as you speak to God, you're praying to him. You just need to think it in your thoughts because God can hear every thought that you have. He's with you. He is near you. He's always been near you. And he wants you to be near to him. In this time, maybe you can ask for some strength to talk to someone else about this. So let's come to him in prayer. Let's take a quiet moment praying to God. Let's do some business with God. Repent and come back to him. Dear God, you want us to know you. Through Jesus rising from the dead, you made known to us that the message is true, that we can trust in you, that you will be our Father and you'll be with us. You will forgive us through the death that Jesus died on our place, in our place, and you will raise us to life forever. We will live forever with you as our Father. Help us to trust in you today. Help us to walk with you and stop ignoring you in our day-to-day life and realise that there's full life with you now. We can have a relationship with you. You want to know us. Thank you for the resurrection and the proof. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.